When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve. It is your home of tennis. It's a Monday night here in uh, Melbourne town where we're based, but great to have you with us right across the uh, SEN network into Sydney, Adelaide, if you're listening on the SEN app or on sen.com.au. Brett Phillips in the chair. Wimbledon in a week's time. Although, really, it starts right now, but not quite. Because guess what's happening in London? <laughs> exactly. Can you believe it? Qualies ready to go. Roehampton, what a beautiful part. About 5Ks from SW19. Uh, the only one of the slams where the qualifying is held uh, offside, of course. It won't be like that forever. There's moves afoot to bring all the qualifying to uh, the grounds of Wimbledon, or certainly Wimbledon Park and the adjoining um, area opposite uh, the great SW19, the All England Club, but uh, it's uh, it's raining uh, as we speak. We've got six Aussies to get through uh, tonight, so let's hope London can uh, get its act together a little bit later on and we have uh, certainly a bit of play. We'd love your calls tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Anything you want to put on the agenda, there are prizes to give away uh, tonight. We've got the $150 voucher to our best caller tonight. And also, we are throwing in the first serve tennis sunscreen. Also, a copy of the Australian Tennis Magazine. That is all coming your way tonight. If you give us a call, one 736 736 So many talking points uh, from uh, the last week in tennis. This very short uh, grass court season. We wish it was longer because there's something about uh, grass court tennis that gets us very excited. Linda Pearce coming up uh, very soon. She has written a terrific piece for our website, thefirstserve.com.au, that's gone up today, my Wimbledon uh, debut. It's great to have my right-hand man, Jed Zetzer. He's in the studio. We're going to hear a bit of Jed tonight. Good to see you. Good to see you, BP. Great to be back. We'd uh, probably love to be a long way from uh, here, but um, we can't go. We know that. But when you see the pictures of Wimbledon coming in, the preparations of the ground, they're manicured, everything, the roses to the courts themselves... They've had a fair deluge of rain across the weekend, so the covers have been on making sure that uh, those courts are in uh, tip-top shape uh, come a week's time. But you've been there. I've been lucky to be there. In fact, we're going to open up the lines right throughout the night, Jeb, because as we build up to Wimbledon, effectively the majors have become sort of three-week events now when you include Mm. qualifying and all the players who aren't in qualifying, who aren't playing uh, the lead-up tour events, they'll be arriving at Wimbledon this week, settling in for the week, practising uh, all their media commitments towards the uh, end of the week. But if you've been lucky enough to go to Wimbledon, we'd love to hear from you tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 
because it's it's hard not to articulate it as anything but a very, very special place. You've got to get there. Whether you love tennis or not, it's one you've got to put on the bucket list. Absolutely. There's actually nothing like it. Walking into the grounds on day one when the gates open, it's just, you walk in there and it's the craziest feeling. It's almost surreal. That's the only way I can describe it. It's just so surreal. Uh, seeing grass court tennis as well, it's, you know, it's played in its traditional form. It's just, it's surreal, BP. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. So you, you've got to put it on your uh, bucket list, but we're going to have to watch from afar. I think it was two years ago, Jed, when Fox had the rights that they were they streamed uh, Wimbledon qualifying. They did. I remember that, which is not happening this year clearly. And I did make a, a couple of calls uh, to Channel Nine just to check uh, today yeah. whether we might find it somewhere uh, as part of their overall coverage. But uh, that's not part of their deal to uh, do the Wimbledon uh, qualies. It'd be nice to see some live vision because I think. Yeah, they showed sort of the main court uh, a couple of years ago, and then they were sort of you know, bringing in highlights of the other courts. It was commentary with it, which was outstanding. And I don't know, did you go to Roehampton when you went there? I didn't, and it's the one. It's the one qualifying event I am just dying to go to. <laughs> I, I've been told it's a tennis fans haven. Yep. Um, and I can't wait. It's well, it's just a big grassy knoll uh, where courts are put up. Lines are marked, and there's about uh, 18 courts, I think, operating. So we've got, what, in total of 64 matches being played, supposed to be played today, if the heavens uh, cease for a, a little while. Uh, the men, of course, uh, we should have some news through on the women's draw. We may have it this hour, possibly uh, throughout the night. So keep an eye on our socials of how the Aussie girls will look uh, when they suit up tomorrow. Yeah, it hasn't been released just yet, but uh, as soon as it's released, we'll definitely... Uh We'll definitely see who they're all playing. But yeah, going back to that Fox Sports coverage, I remember 2017, I was on my way up and I was watching our man Grothy in qualifying mm. and he was up against the Italian veteran Simone Bellelli. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I was just cheering him on. I wanted to watch him in main draw action. He went down <laughs> 11-9, but uh, yeah, that was, it was awesome. And, you know, hopefully in future years they cover it. How fortunes can change, because the year I sat there for three days at Roehampton, Matthew Barton qualified for Wimbledon. Yes. And he played Karin Hutchinov, who at that stage, so he must have been almost the top uh, seed or the second seed because he was just around that 100 mark or just out, and Barton beat him and qualified for Wimbledon. And since that day, Jed, their careers have gone in the polar opposite directions. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, 2016, Wimbledon qualies. It's amazing the stories that can come out of, you know, Roehampton. That is where... Some dreams are born. Uh, no doubt. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll get to Linda Pierce in just a moment, but we'd love a couple of your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Prizes to give away. It's been a really fascinating last few days in terms of the winners and and so forth. And Alex Bolt, I want to I want to touch on uh, tonight and talk about him because he's gone from a nine game losing streak to a seven game winning streak to winning Nottingham a challenger on the weekend, he's third at that level, and I absolutely maintain, Jed, he should be in at least double figures in the rankings for me. He's 28 years of age, so we can only hope maybe the best is still to come because watching a lot of the stream in the last week, and we've seen him have a couple of good runs at the Australian Open, we know he's capable of playing good cross-court tennis. He has absolutely got the capabilities to be far better ranked than what he is. Absolutely, and I've been pretty bullish on him. I think he is without a doubt in my mind, a top 50 quality player in Australia. He is absolutely up there. 
Uh, he wins around at the Australian Open almost every year. He's made the third round a couple of times. In my mind, he's top 50 in Australia. And we've heard, you know, obviously when he originally took a break, he was struggling a little bit on the mm. road. Mm. The other place I think that he finds comfort yep. is in England mm. when the grass court season comes around because all the Aussies gather together. It's a different environment. You're not out on your own. Uh, and it's, yeah, Bolt is definitely one to watch. And I'm just praying that he eventually does reach those di- uh, double digits. Well, took uh, a couple of good scalps uh, along the way, including uh, Richard Gasquet, of course, uh, former world number seven. Uh, Mackenzie McDonald, who's been ranked inside the top 60. So uh, really good victory by Alex. And he's been given the wild card. I want to chat to Linda Pierce about that very shortly. But John is out on the road. John, welcome to the first serve. Yeah, hi, mate. How are you, buddy? Really good, Jimmy. Um, mate, I, I just thought um, I was watching Queens this week. Yeah. And um, look, uh, it's a big call, what I'm going to say, but I, I think the way Berrettini's game is and the way it's improved and the way he's yes. backhand, yeah. he stops being backhand, but he improved a lot, you know. Um, I think he's a smoky, mate, for, uh, for Wimbledon. I really do. Oh, I, um, it's not a bad call. It's not a bad call, Uh John, I mean, you are bullish about Sinner and Berrettini and all the Italians, but I think he can certainly go deep. And his record on grass, he is 17-5 and five on grass. He won Stuttgart a couple of years ago, had the tough start to the year with the abdominal strain. Since then, what, 26-6, and six, the win-loss. It's been enormous with a couple of titles. Uh, beat Alex Dimonor in the semis and then accounted for the very much improved uh, Cam Norrie, who's had a terrific year, just can't quite win a final. He's 0-3 in finals. But Johnny uh, Berrettini, would you have him ahead of uh, Sinner? Clearly, at the moment, he's ranked higher. But uh, what about the picking order of the Italians for Wimbledon? Well, I, look, I, I, I really was really bitterly disappointed in Sinner. You know, I don't know if you watched him play against uh, Draper, oh. but you know he was up five love yeah. and had a chance to close that first set six love, and he lost that set, mm. and and then was three one up in the second against the qualifier. And he fell apart. I couldn't believe he fell. I know it was his first, his first game on grass, but you know, I watched then. Uh, conversely, I watched Berrettini, and I that big serve and that monstrous forehand. Yeah, it's it's a- just very hard to come back. You know, I mean, Alex Simonon <laughs> really played well, but he he just got over the top of him with his forehand. You know, it was just. Yep. Ridiculous. It's um, a powerful combination, no doubt. We saw it when he made the semis of the US uh, game back two or three years ago. Uh, lethal with, uh, yeah, the serve forehand uh, combination, and his his um, his ability to volley, and he, he's much better in that area. His hands and and his backhand certainly has improved a hell of a lot. So, Jed, I think he's a, a danger, Matteo Berrettini. He is, and he just you know with these other Italians, Musetti and Sinner coming up the ranks, he's just sort of flying under the radar mm. and. He's now consolidated his spot inside the top 10 and the top yeah. 15. He's yeah. absolutely a danger, this Wimbledon. He and Isla still together? Still a, you, Ooh, you're, um, you're across all this sort of stuff. I'm gonna I lose say, track of the relationships. I'm, I'm going to say yes because I haven't okay. heard otherwise. <laughs> well, uh, maybe Linda Pierce might know. It's great to welcome uh, Linda in. Of course, award-winning journalist, always with us uh, each month and has written a terrific piece. So I urge you to have a read. My Wimbledon debut, thefirstserve.com.au. Linda, appreciate you holding on. Uh, are, you, are you up to date with the status of Berrettini and Tom Lianovich? As far as I'm aware, it's still a goer. I'm a bit like Jed. I haven't heard otherwise, and I've seen them together not that um, unrecently. So I'm saying I'm tipping yes at this stage. 
Very good. I like it. We're across all the relationships. In fact, we might do a show dedicated to what is going on uh, in the world of tennis in that department. But, Linda, this time of the year, you've been to a lot more Wimbledons uh, than I have, but I think we all share just uh, probably the same response, really. When you think of Wimbledon, grass, the prestige of that tournament, uh, take us into your own account. And, And without... Uh, going through your whole article that you've written, which is a beauty. I mean, this is a place that you have very, very fond memories of. I've had seen some wonderful events there. I think that actually when Pat Rafter played Goran in the Monday final um, in 2001, I think it was, um, and that they, they was the People's Monday because, of course, it was held over from the Sunday. And so just the, the punters who queued up all night got in rather than the posh debenture holders. And just when Pat and Goran walked out onto the court and we were sort of standing, you know, in the media seat, the ovation that they got, I actually started to cry. It was really bizarre. Like, it was one of those most emotional moments because you wanted both of them to win. But, of course, we had Pat and, and then when Goran won. There are moments like that. And then I was there for that ridiculous match um, between Mahout and Isna that yes. went on for about seven days. Yep. And then um, the, the Federer, the famous Federer and Nadal final, which some people say was the greatest match ever. And I don't know, something about Wimbledon just seems to elevate things um, to a different degree and then it just hosts so many wonderful moments and there's just a tremendously special feeling about being there. Uh, it is and Paul Aitken has just jumped on the text who we know at Linda and he said, hello Paul, don't forget about Marcus Willis 2016, oh. pre-qualified, won three <laughs> matches, then qualified, won three more, then won three matches in the main draw, it was a rocky story. It was unbelievable. I wrote about three features on Marcus Willis and haven't written a word before or since on Marcus. But it was really, it was this sort of fat, plodgy, you know, English bloke who was wearing, you know, Kmart clothes or whatever the equivalent is over there. And it was just a wonderful story. And even he could not believe he was out there. And even Federer wanted to just, you know, soak it all up. It was tremendous. Yeah, it certainly was. It brings back memories, and there are so many. But just to, get to take us inside your article a little bit, I know you've interviewed Todd Woodbridge and... Having done a bit of work uh, with Todd uh, with the, the French Open coverage on Nine just recently, I know that just talking to him off air, he's he's flat, absolutely flat, that he cannot Definitely. get back to a place that uh, obviously has given him great memories. Well, the last time he missed was um, the year before he and Stoltz won the junior doubles in uh, 86 or 87, and mm. then... He made his senior debut the next year and played on centre court against the defending champion Pat Cash. So that must have been 88. And he said just the wall of sound that he encountered walking out past the Kipling poem um, and all of those things. He just said he's, it, it just did such, stirred something special within him. And he just goes back every single year. He has for the last 24 of them. Yep. He hosted the Champions Ball at the Guildhall for the last um, Wimbledon Champions Dinner two years ago, and um, he is he's desperate at the moment, Todd. So a cheerio to him. Uh, indeed, yes, he's uh, having withdrawals, but we'll be doing the coverage uh, next week uh, from the studios uh, here. Unfortunately, none of us can uh, travel. That is the way it is at the moment. But have a read of Linda's article. It's terrific. And uh, anyone who's an aspiring uh, broadcaster, journalist, and you want to cover Wimbledon one day, there's one key lesson, Linda. <laughs> Take your media pass with you. <laughs> They're <laughs> you want to get in. They're very strict. <laughs> they are. I was actually going to say, too, I've got a good... Ro- my one Roehampton visit one year. Um, I went in 2005 
and saw a match between Yelena Dokic and Alexandra Stevenson six yeah. years after they'd both made the semis. Mm. And the mighty had fallen so low that they were at Roehampton on a freezing cold, windy day in that exposed area. And both of them were, you know, really down on their luck at that stage. But Stevenson won it and um, Yelena sort of dissolved in tears and we didn't see her again for a little while after that. So mm. it's a... It's a very harsh place throw Hampton. I think it's quite, be quite good when they bring it into more more the SW19, um, you know, closer to the bit to the big leagues. Yeah, no doubt. In fact, uh, Robin Brunswick East just said shouldn't be allowed to bring up Pat versus Gordon on this show. Thought I was over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said I cried before they even hit a ball, so that's how well I was going. <laughs> Linda, a few things to cover off uh, with you. So we've been seeing some footage uh, the last few days of Ash Barty training at Arangi there, and uh, with no strapping on the leg, and she seems to be okay from the little bit of vision that we've seen. I mean, and w- the the value of her playing a lead-up as opposed to the preparation she's going to have. I mean, how do you think that may affect her her chances uh, coming off these little injury worries that she's had? Well, they're really keeping a low profile of the uh, Barty team. We don't really know much at all, apart from that one little post about baby yep. steps, which is sort of eight or nine days ago. She's a natural on grass, so you would think mm. it would affect her less than some players. Um, and so, I mean, um, Novak won it two years ago without playing a lead-up event, but he was fully fit at the time. So it's a lot of it, it's about her physical well-being. And it's also, I mean, the Williams sisters virtually never played a lead-up tournament. They've won, what, 11 or 12 between them or mm. something. So um, it's not unheard of. And in fact, Serena's last two, 15, 16, were both played straight from the clay after a trip home to Florida. So I'm not... I'm not um, sort of too down in the dumps about it as long as she's fit and we just don't know how fit she is. No, that, that's uh, the question, but we'll uh, we'll find out more as the week unfolds. So I've made a couple of phone calls today re-Nick Kyrgios because I watched a bit of, you know, Ninja Warrior last night for about three minutes. Oh, and... you do? You need to get out more. Well, I, I know. I, I, three minutes. <laughs> that's all I could handle. Three <laughs> minutes and I had to... three uh, more than me. I had to switch it over. But the information I'm being told is that he is going to jump on a plane on Wednesday, more likely than not, and head to Wimbledon. Now, that still until he jumps on that plane, uh, is the possibility of maybe him not going. We know he's had a bit of a neck issue, but, gee, hard to you know, hard to really work out what sort of impact he's going to have considering he hasn't played any tennis, uh, what, since the Australian Open. Exactly. So, I mean, I know that we know Nick likes to do things differently, but, um, and this is, he was planning to go earlier. I do actually believe that. Yeah. But it's still a, you know, mighty short preparation, isn't it? Even for someone with his, with his talent and his affection for grass. Mm. Well, I think he had entered Stuttgart and Mallorca, but uh, Paul Mallorca, wasn't yeah. quite ready. Yeah. So, just yeah. Other, other names. I mean, obviously, Osaka's out. Halep is the interesting one who's pulled out uh, mm. this week of the lead in and whether she's going to be yeah. right. It doesn't sound like it. She's got a calf and she, again, yep. hasn't played for quite some time. So, yes, I'd be surprised if she shows. But, you know, again, there's not a lot of information coming out at the moment. Everyone's just sort of keeping their cards close to the chest, as we say. Yeah, so we'll wait to see on Halep later in the week. We know definitely out of the men's draw in the Dale, obviously, Goffan, Raonic, Favorinka, Chorich and Edmund all not playing in the main draw. We know Andy Murray and Venus Williams have been given... A couple of wild cards. There's some that will be using a protected ranking. Yang Sung Lu, he's been using his protected ranking for a little while now. Uh, Philip Kohlschreiber is also going to uh, use a, a protected ranking. Uh, we know that, obviously, Demonor and Millman and Popper and Thompson, uh, Duckworth. And the interesting one is, is Alex Bolt. Now, there is no firm reciprocal agreement between Tennis Australia and, and Wimbledon, the LTA, whatever you, you want to uh, say, in terms of a wild card exchange. 
I mean, this has been an extraordinary turnaround, hasn't it? I mean, he was on a nine-match losing streak, wins seven matches in a row, and he's avoided qualifying. Exactly. They, that's, there is quite a precedent for that, though. Uh, a lot of the, any player who does particularly well in the lead-up tournaments, Wimbledon often looks kindly upon them. So he's rewarded for that really good run at Nottingham and winning the title there. So it's, you see it quite often. If that's the way they often get in a player into the wildcard list that isn't a, a Brit or isn't a former great coming back, or in, in Murray's case, of course, both. But isn't he just the most marvellous man? Every time I see him interviewed or crying somewhere, I just feel very fondly towards him. Do you? Yeah. I do. Okay. I just think he's one of the... He's a feminist. He's the, all those things. I just think yeah. he, he shows his um, emotional side so beautifully. And he's just a real thinker. And, and just I don't think there's anyone more popular, really, yeah. in the locker room than him, from what I can gather. Well, the documentary on... Uh, what was it called? Um, uh, resurfacing, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, that was yes. Uh, that was brutal and pretty raw. And I mean, no doubt he will stay in tennis in some capacity uh, post uh, playing. So we know at this stage, Linda, that Wimbledon is looking at fifty percent crowd capacity to build that to full capacity by the finals. They're going to be sort of staggered um, crowd entrances, if you like. So centre court, which has always been a, a one o'clock start, will be pushed back to about one thirty. Uh, I think the outside courts will have more as 75% uh, capacity for those smaller outside courts. So at least we're going to have some fans. And, of course, the news in the last weeks that the US Open look like they're going to have full capacity. That's incredible um, to think that that from where they've come from last year. But in terms of Wimbledon, they have it's, it's also probably interesting in terms of where the Australian Open sits. Every, all the adults who come in have to have two vaccinations. Yep. So they're fully vaccinated or else they've got to have had one of those called a negative lateral flow test, which is one of the sort of rapid tests mm. within sort of 14 days before the 48 hours before the event starts. So, I mean, they're doing, they're, they're being pretty strict on entry and they certainly won't have any trouble getting rid of those tickets. So, you know how hard it is to get a ticket oh. on a normal yeah. Wimbledon, let alone yeah. when it's half capacity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They will uh, go like hotcakes, uh, Wimbledon. I always think of those outside courts, Linda, where you, you see people just queued up for miles just to get, uh, what, you know, maybe an hour or two on one of the, uh, the outside courts, we know, of course, um, you know the fans who sort of lead in after five, if you like, who aren't necessarily staunch tennis fans, but just want to enjoy a bit of the Wimbledon experience, a bit of strawberries and cream, and sit yeah, on uh, get sit the on the hill. The return tickets. That's right. I had a funny story actually. One year when um, they, there was going to be a huge uh, rainstorm, and they wanted to get through a lot of matches on the Saturday because yep. there was a rest day on the Sunday. So Kyrgios was playing. Um, someone quite a high-profile player on one of the smaller courts, and I couldn't get into the media seats, and I was trying to sort of get through. And this girl turned around to me and said, um, "I said, look, we're all lining up here. You know, could you wait your turn? We're all. I'm trying to work." And she looked around at me and said, "That's my brother. That's my seat, and I'll be sitting in it." And it was Nick Kyrgios' sister. Oh, oh <laughs> so I said, "Oh, rightio then." She wasn't someone to be um, to be argued with. No, fair to say. no, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone in the Kyrgios camp. <laughs> Well, Dad's pretty. I actually, I ran into George uh, one year at the Brisbane International, just going up the stairs. I was coming down the stairs, and we had a great old chinwag. He was a great fella. Oh, that's good to know. I haven't met the parents, actually. Yeah, I think Mum, Mum's all over us on social media. She follows us um, on our uh, social accounts, so she's just keeping an eye on uh, <laughs> everything that's uh, certainly been said. You do? Uh, Linda, anything <laughs> else that's uh, sort of grabbed you in the last week? Um, obviously, we've had quite a few uh, tournaments being played. Uh, there's been some Australian success at some of the lower levels, but... Um, you know, there's been certainly some impressive performances on the ATP, the WTA Tour. I think Anjabur is a really good story. And we actually had um, Shane Leonage, her data analyst on the show a couple of weeks ago, who's actually based here in uh, Melbourne. And her consistency, and we talk about this on the tour, because so many players struggle 
to be consistent in everything they do, from their on-court to just their off-court habits on a week-to-week basis. But her record the last two years has been as consistent as anyone. And you love a story from a country that hasn't had a big production line of tennis players. No, and she's not just a sort of bash-and-crash type player. She's got real court craft about her, some of these beautiful slices, different variety. I think she's great to watch and really good for the sport, as you say, from an area that spends a lot of money on tennis, the Middle East, but they haven't really produced particularly many players. So it's fantastic that someone like Ange de Berth has come along and really, yes, really impressed a lot of people on and off the court. Been a star, 55 and 21, the one uh, win-loss since uh, January uh, 2020. And I love a good uh, underdog story. Um, Ludmilla Sampson over the Russian came from qualifying to win in Berlin over the weekend, knocked over Bencic, she knocked over Azarenka, uh, knocked over Von Drusova and Medicine Keys, 106 in the world. You, you just need one breakthrough in tennis, and it really sets you on your path. Exactly. I went to sleep, actually, after the end of the first set. Six one, she lost it to Benchic, <laughs> and I thought, well, that, that, that's it then. And then I got up in the morning and saw that, she'd, um, that she'd won the title. So, yes, great breakthrough for her. The other one I'm really pleased for at the moment is Alex Simonor, because he's had a bit of a rough you know, trot here and there over the past year or so. Yeah. And to, to beat Chilich is a great grass court win at Queen's. And no no shame in losing to Berrettini, who I agree with Jed's a real sort of dark horse for the Wimbledon title. So um, pleased to see Alex doing well again. No, he's going beautifully. And he's going to join us uh, next Monday night on the show ahead of his uh, first round match, which will be terrific. Thank you, Linda. We'll read your great piece on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, and uh, we'll catch up very soon. Pleasure, Brett. Thanks. See you, Jed. Linda Pierce, award-winning tennis uh, journalist. Uh, We're going to take a break. Back with more on the First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve. Your home of tennis. Oh, we do it every Monday night. one 736 736 If you want to give us a call uh, tonight, you can go shopping uh, while you're uh, calling us, while you're listening in tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Rackets, accessories, everything you need. You'll get a 10% discount and free delivery on orders over $150, wherever you might be around this great country of ours uh, tonight. Only one place to go, tennisdirect.com.au. So we've got the $150 voucher we're giving away tonight. Got the first serve tennis sunscreen. Got a copy of the Australian Tennis Magazine. Jed Zetzer is in the studio. So basically, Jed, the lines are open. We've got a few things we're going to pull apart, but the lines are open for you to join us uh, for the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, Jamie's done that in South Yarra. Jamie, welcome. Hey, boys. How are you going? We are going well. That's the way. That's the way. What do you got for us? Yeah, well, uh, probably my favourite, uh, probably Wimbledon moment. I can't wait till it starts next week. But lucky enough to go there in 2019 and in 2017. But I'd probably say a big standout moment was seeing Coco Goff beat Venus Williams. I was yes. there at uh, court one that year. It was great. So that was the youngest player in the draw versus the oldest player in the WTO yeah, draw, she, wasn't it? Yeah, I think she was 15 years old and beat. Yep. Venus at 39, and the, the stadium erupted when she won. It was mm. an elite atmosphere. Um, that was such a good memory. And I think also, I think we saw Popperin as well make his Wimbledon debut and beat Karen Busta actually, as well. I think. One of the outsiders. Yeah, that was. 
Yeah, yeah, that was that was oh, another great atmosphere. A lot of Aussies were there. It was tremendous, really. Jim, obviously, there's some of the uh, the big stories that happen at Wimbledon. Some of the smaller ones, some Aussies hidden away on some outside courts. I know you're a massive fan of the Aussies. Can you tell us about some of the the hidden matches that you've seen in the corners of uh, SW? Uh, 18, 19, 19. 19. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, actually, we've we just moved the tournament to someone's <laughs> front yard. The <laughs> uh, 2017, definitely seeing Andrew Whittington um, play his first round match was, uh, I'm not sure exactly what quarter it was, but that was really great to see. Worked really hard, I think, in qualifying that year and mm. was lucky enough to see his match. That was, that was a real highlight. Um, then I actually saw Johnny Millman a few times. Um, he went to the third round in 2019 and watched him first round, second round. And then I think I was the only Aussie chanting in the third round and I was going ballistic and trying to get him over the line. But Cleary was too good that day. It was still a great effort from Johnny. Um, but yeah, seeing Damon as well. I think we saw him against Stevie J, Steve Johnson. That was also a bit of a highlight. Um, but yeah, it's been some, been some ripping, ripping matches over the years, really. Jamie, have you ever seen Roger Federer in the flesh at Wimbledon? <laughs> I have. Um, I actually didn't get a ticket to centre court, but I asked the, the guard, the steward, if I could just go on the steps and just get a picture um, while he was sitting down in between um, the change of ends. And I was lucky enough, he took a photo of me, and I've just got him in the background of it. Haven't watched him live at Wimbledon, but that was the closest I could get. Yeah, it's tough <laughs> it to get great, close. Though. Tough to get close, mate. I, <laughs> I was in a line. The only time I've interviewed Roger, I was in a line of 15 journalists at the Australian Open. It was three questions. I was allowed to ask three. And the great part of Roger, though, is he gives you about eight minutes of content for three questions. And that's all I needed. Jamie, thank you. I'm going to put you back um, and some prizes coming your way, my friend. Uh, really appreciate going down memory lane at Wimbledon. Uh, Liam's in Caulfield. Liam, welcome to the first serve. How you going, guys? Yeah, we're going well. Good to hear from you. Long time uh, listener, first time caller. Oh, we love that. Ring more often. What do you got for us? Yeah. Oh, actually, um, I went to Wimby in uh, 2018 uh, on day four, I think it was. Um, so watched uh, second round matches and um, actually didn't. I actually got the tickets to Centre Court, um, but it wasn't through the normal process of lining up for eight hours. The, apparently... A couple of years back, they started a new process of releasing 100 tickets the night before. Really? Um, and apparently, the golden tickets. And uh, I was lucky enough to get in on the second. It came out and got um, got tickets to Centre Court. But I only watched uh, I watched Nadal, which wasn't too bad. But yeah, it was a good day, nonetheless. Yeah, it's what, what strikes you, Liam, when you when you walk into the grounds. I mean, people tell me, and I, I've had it. You know, the experience myself, you just sort of get those goosebumps. I mean, it is just an incredible place. The history, everything about it. I mean, it's so prim and proper, and yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? It's um, even from the you know from the, uh, the underground, and you go to the station, you come off. Yeah. It's all decorated in Wimbledon colours, and the logos everywhere. Yeah, um, and everyone's dressed up for the occasion. So it's just it's so unique. It's nothing like you know the Australian Open or French Open or US Open. It's just got. That's what's so good about all the Grand Slams. They're all unique in its own kind. Yeah, Liam, for people going to Wimbledon this year, could you maybe explain how you got your hands on these golden tickets? How does it work? Yeah, so I only heard about it from one of my mates that actually went as well, um, and he wasn't successful to get the tickets. So I think it's how it works is you go online two nights before uh, the day you want to go. So when I went on Thursday, I went online on Tuesday night. Um, and they literally release 150 tickets, um, and it's obviously tickets in the back row. And 
they're always sold out within the first minute or two minutes. Um, and there's always a lag or delay. So it's just really just potluck. Um, and again, like all my friends who are actually working with Wimbledon, I uh, just said that, you know, it's just all the golden ticket. I was so lucky that I got it. Oh, beautiful stuff. Uh, and, and to see the tents uh, pitched on Wimbledon Park there, I mean, people... Uh, they'll queue up for hours and hours just to even get in, just to say, I've been in the grounds of Wimbledon. I've grabbed a bit of strawberries and cream, some pims, sat on Murray Mound, and they mightn't be tennis fans, but they can say they've actually been to Wimbledon. Good on you, Liam. Thank you for the call. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Some prizes coming your way uh, for uh, calling in uh, tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can put whatever you like on the tennis agenda uh, tonight. Observations from the last week, your Wimbledon memories what's going to uh, take place at SW19 across the next uh, fortnight. Uh, all thanks to, of course, uh, Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist. Uh, back to continue to pull apart this great game that we love. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Brett Phillips in the chair tonight. Wimbledon qualifying supposed to be getting underway, but it is raining over in the UK, and six Aussies are supposed to be going about their business uh, tonight. Alexander Vukic. I want to mention Vukic. And the match he played against Shapovalov at Queen's, which I watched in its entirety, which I don't know how I did yet, because that was about 2.33am. And hats off to Vukic. I thought he competed really well. Loses in two tiebreakers. It was so tough to crack the Shapovalov serve. So when he's got that loose left arm going and he is belting, 20 aces he served in that match. I mean, they're the ones, they're the unplayable ones that you go, look, too good. I, I can try and read it, but even if... Even if I do read it, I'm not getting a great return back. But he held his own serve. We know Vukic has got a really decent serve, big forehand. He was right in that match. And I, I just wonder, and we spoke to Alex a few weeks ago, I almost would love to have spoken to him after that Shepovalov match to say, what did you take out of that? Because you should walk away at 209 in the world and go, I just played a guy inside the top 20, and I was that close. BP, you go on about these margins, and that was... That is the smallest of margins. Yep. You know, two tiebreakers, eight six in both, had a set point, uh, had a few set points. I mean, he was so close. Mm. Um, and something that I took out of that match was the mental strength of Vukic. You know, Shapovalov was just breezing, breezing through his service games. Vukic, I reckon over 50% of them went past juice. Yeah. And he just stayed strong. He held his serve, mm. forced the tiebreakers. Uh, he's not someone you're going to want to face in Wimbledon qualifying. And this is the thing about Dennis too. Now, you know I'm an unabashed fan of Shapovalov, and surely he'll be in the top 10 at some point. But I'm watching him all through the week. So he loses to Norrie in the semis, had to play his quarter and his semi on the same day with the rain over in London. And you love his offensive style. He just unleashes single-handed backhand, big swinging serve, but then he's going for these huge second serves at times. And he's gone through a few coaches, Dennis, and mum's the mainstay, and coaches sort of drift in and out of the camp. And he's a very likeable guy, Dennis. Great with the media, savvy. You know, he's he's got, he's got a real appetite for professional tennis. Interestingly, he's pulled out of the Olympics. We're going to play Wimbledon. 
But you, you almost want someone to say, just calm it down a bit. Mm. Just take it back a notch. You can still play with firepower, but just pull it back a notch and stop playing so close to the lines and and um, just play the percentages maybe a little bit better. And then I think he'll elevate his game because he's got all the tools. Yeah, well, I think it's also a maturity thing. We've got to remember he's still so young. Yeah. Uh, give him a couple of years and he'll he'll start to realize that on his own. And I think he's going to be one of these guys from the next gen who could be a bit of a late bloomer into the top 10, but could actually eventually leap the group. Mm, speaking of lefties, uh, Uga Humber. Yes. He was fantastic. Beating Rublev in Halle to win the 500. So biggest uh, victory for him, career high 25. So he's the best of the young Frenchmen because a lot of old mm. Frenchmen inside the top 100. Uh, but he's, uh, he's forehand, the one he wanted on match point with, well, he was rolling past winners against a guy who's been red hot, particularly at 500 level in Rublev. Yeah, he's, he's, I don't even know how to explain the game of Umber because he's very flashy, mm. um, but gee, he's got a fierce forehand and you don't want to come up against it. And got good touch as well. When he gets forward, really, really good hands. Greg's in uh, Strathbogie. He's joined us on the first circuit. Hey, Greg. Very exciting show, guys. I'm not sure about sleep over the next couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, great. I had the opportunity to go to Roehampton and study their training facilities there. And of course, it's an advantage for British players because that's where they all train. And I'm sorry to say, but it was really elite ahead of what we have here. It was fantastic. What, what did you notice in particular, Greg, for those that Just haven't been the there? Just the culture, the moment you walk in the place, the... The culture was up and about. I don't know if you had the opportunity to go out to Olympic Park in Sydney, but yep, I have. you know it, it doesn't have that same feel. They had most of their really great coaches happened to be Australian, which was a tiny bit disappointing. But um, just to have that opportunity to do qualification in a place where you train every day has got to be an advantage for the British. Yeah, and look, certainly the ITF is based at Roehampton. Uh, I think the LTA, I'm not sure. If the, I think they're based there as well. They used to be at Queen's. But we know that in the next five to ten years that uh, Roehampton is going to cease to exist for qualifying. So they're going to bring qualifying to, well, Wimbledon Park. That's where it's being developed at the moment. So everything's pretty much at, at the same site. But I, I loved it. I spent three days there, and you just, you know... Grab a bit of lunch. Okay, where are we heading out to now? Just you just park yourself on the grass there, and it's big stakes. I mean, you don't feel you don't feel like you're part of Wimbledon until you actually make the main draw. Because Greg, you're actually off site. Yeah, the other place is Hurlingham. If you ever have an yeah. opportunity to play tennis, it's like the birth of tennis as well. And the facilities, you know, I've had the opportunity to play Kuyong and South Yarra and other places, but Hurlingham, in my opinion, has the most beautiful setting for tennis I've ever seen. Indeed. Good man. Hey, always appreciate your call. Good on you. Thank you, Greg. Well, nice work up there at uh, beautiful uh, Strathbogie, one of our uh, great uh, listeners on uh, the first serve. Uh, we should mention to Arena Rodinova, speaking of Nottingham, we talked about Alex Bolt earlier. Uh, Jed, good week for Arena, who's back up to 149. So a couple of qualifying wins and then goes all the way through. Also had to play a quarter in his semi on the same day. Loses to Alison Van Think of Belgium, <laughs> uh, who was the uh, top seed, love and four, but a uh, solid week for uh, Arena Rodionova. It was. It was a solid week for all of our Aussies. I mean, we obviously had Bolt winning a title, yep. Matt Reed and Mark Pullmans yes. winning in Nottingham. Uh, Priscilla Hon and Storm Sanders, they were runners-up runners as well this week. Arena, you just mentioned, and Ellen Perez and uh, Anz Jabeur. Uh, who also were runners-up. So 
a lot of Aussies going deep as we like on well, the grass. Just on uh, on Matty Reed, so he's at ninety in the world, okay, in doubles. He started the year at ninety eight. You don't get a lot of reward when you've won four challenger titles. He's twenty five and eleven win loss, Matt Reed. He's jumped up eight spots. You don't get a lot of reward. Mark Polman's twenty and eight. He's won three titles. His rankings at a hundred in doubles at the moment. Now, in Polman's case, a bit like Bolt, a bit like O'Connell. We're so desperate for these guys to take the next step because they have been in this area between 100 to 150 to 200 for longer than I think they should be, to be totally honest. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. I, I'm of the belief that they need to just, like in their case, just stop playing on the Challenger Tour. I think that it's time they elevate themselves onto the ATP Tour and just have a real crack at qualies. And this is the time to do it during COVID where... It is obviously easier to make these uh, ATP qualifying draws. I guess for them, they probably look at it and they go, well, I'm a better chance of going real deep in a challenger and collecting, you know, 30 to 80 points. And if I lose in qualies, I'm leaving here with no points. And then they've got to wait another week to compete. It's tough, but you've got to make the tough calls. And uh, I do agree. I mean, Matt Reed. He deserves to be higher, but he's also one who should probably start looking at playing more tour events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and he's had great success. And are they all four with different partners? I'd have to go back and absolutely double check. I'm pretty sure they are the four he's won this year. Well, I know one was with Olivetti. He's Gl- won one Glass with Pullman's, Glasspool, and. Uh, Just trying to think of the fourth. We'll try and dig that up, maybe. Was, was one maybe with JP? He, no, uh, Skupski. True. Skup, yep, yep. Beating Ebden and Smith. Yep. There we go. Last week. So four different players. The yeah. freelance. Tennis roadshow that is Matt Reed. Yeah, no, doing a beautiful it, job. And it is probably a bit stiff um, to O'Connell because he has gone and on and played those uh, tour level qualifying events. Mm. Um, unfortunately, though, you yep. know he's been struck down with injury. But yep. you'd love to see them just elevate themselves. Yeah, I would. I mean, Tom, I did it a couple of years ago, didn't he? He went yep. and said, "I'm not playing any more challenges. I'm stepping up." And so he's consolidated. He would be extremely frustrated at the moment. He's won obviously in Mallorca overnight, so he's had no problems winning first round matches the last few weeks, but just can't quite crack that second round through to the quarters. We need to take our last break. We're going to come back and wrap it all up on the first serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve. Your home of tennis. And you can do all your shopping at tennisdirect.com.au. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You get a 10% discount, uh, free delivery on orders over $150. Tennisdirect.com.au. Adrian in Roval has sent us a text, Jed. Boys, it's nice to have these sort of discussions about the dark horse, but can we all just face facts and mask in the moment as we get to live through one of life's greatest feats? And that will be Novak. We'll walk into Wimbledon and we'll be winning the Golden Slam this year. I don't think it's a possibility anymore. I believe it's a foregone conclusion. And this will be the moment he marks his place as the greatest we've ever seen beside Laver, as he takes the true mantle of the greatest modern-day player from Roger and banishes Rafa to third. <laughs> it's strong words, but I, I'm a massive Roger fan. But oh, it's hard to disagree, BP. Hard to disagree. So what we know is there's no Rafa. This time next week at SW19. Novak's the raging hot favourite. There's every indication he's going to go to Tokyo. 
Roger, not 100%. Rafa's pulled out. So it's going to be a busy schedule for Djokovic. So he's ticked one box to become the first player to win all multiple uh, slams multiple times. He wants one up on everyone. To become the first to win all four majors in a year and an Olympic gold medal. It would be, yeah, I mean, that would be legendary if he isn't already. Uh, I, I've i sort of been playing this scenario in my head all week, and I think the only way he doesn't win Wimbledon is if he gets knocked out early. They need to catch him by surprise, otherwise he'll get them. Right, Sam Query, where is he? We need him. <laughs> Remember when Sam Query uh, knocked out Djokovic and then basically he had... 18-month spiral from there. Mm. It was incredible. I remember I was out watching that match. I reckon it was court one. And uh, and Query just had one of those days where he um, everything just turned to gold. Yep. Hit the lights out. Everything was coming off. Big Sam Query. Uh, we are done. That's pre-Wimbledon. Qualifying supposed to start. There's a fair bit of rain in London this week, so we'll get there eventually on the uh, hallowed grassy knoll of Roehampton. We'll be back next week from 8 o'clock. Alex Demonor. And number one male is going to join us ahead of his first round match. Have a great week, everyone. Hit him well. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.